Happy Memorial Day, but before you go load up on junk food to celebrate, I'd like to make you aware of the fact that nearly one in five deaths in Americans aged 40 to 85 is attributed to obesity. When it comes to preventable deaths, obesity is second only to tobacco, but only just. If you are an American, then there is a good chance that this problem is affecting you, just like it's affecting me. On this episode of Bright Future, I discuss the obesity epidemic and my personal attempt to change the way I eat. This is a weekly political podcast that follows current events and how we may do better so that there may be a brighter future. I'm your host, Samuel Adams, but please call me Sam, and without further ado, let's begin this week's episode, which I have titled, Eat Like an American. The actual start date of this story is difficult to pin down. One could say that it started when I first spoke with a dietitian and actually began to make changes, or you could say that it started with my own half-hearted, rudimentary attempts to try and change things myself, or you could say it started even sooner when I first gained all of my excess weight. Or you could also make it a political issue about the American government's attempts to influence public health. This story will start there. When I first started to learn about nutrition in elementary school, I was taught about the simple food pyramid, with grains making up the large block at the bottom, desserts making up the tiny tip of the pyramid, and other food groups taking up smaller sections in between. We were taught that this food pyramid was the key to healthy eating, because it came straight from the great and wise United States Department of Agriculture, based off of the best science available. This version of the food pyramid was originally created in 1992 and was taught in public schools to elementary students. I remember it being plastered all over the cafeteria and food courts and having lessons about it in class. What wasn't included in those lessons was the fact that lobbying groups had final say over the design. Both meat and dairy lobbying groups managed to nearly double the size of their sections of the pyramid, and instead, fats got the smallest section. But research, both at the time and current, suggested that unsaturated fats both aid in weight loss and reduce the risk of heart disease, and are essential for neurological brain activity. Sources include avocados, nuts, seeds, and dark chocolate. There should have been a separate section for saturated fats, which come in more traditional desserts. Several books written by professors of nutritional study claim that various food agricultural associations and corporations have large and undue political influence over the United States Department of Agriculture. In 2005, the pyramid that I was being taught changed. Instead of each block building up to a full pyramid, each food group was instead divided into a long and narrow slice, which made it very difficult to see the actual difference in amounts between each group. Grains, vegetables, fruits, and milk all appear to be about the same size, with meats maybe being a little bit smaller. And there's this tiny yellow slice that, well, it's not even labeled. This version was called My Pyramid, and often this version has no images of food included in each section, leaving it very vague and unclear. That is also the main difference between the food pyramid and my pyramid, and not the only one. My pyramid also includes a person climbing up steps on the side to showcase that physical activity is important to your diet. Instead of using serving sizes like the food pyramid, my pyramid uses more common measurements like cups and ounces. 
There are also 12 variations of the My Pyramid based on sex, age, and level of physical activity. However, just like the older food pyramid, the USDA was likely influenced by various lobbyists, mostly from dairy and meat. The dairy slice of My Pyramid is supposed to represent 23%, wow, what a precise number, of your diet. In other words, My Pyramid suggests that you eat as much milk and dairy as you do vegetables. But what about people who are lactose intolerant, or cultures that have low to no dairy in their diet at all? Dairy is technically unnecessary, as long as you get vitamin D from other sources. Eventually, the USDA decided that my pyramid was overly complex and difficult to teach. And so, for the third time while I was still in elementary school in 2011, they replaced it again with my plate. This discards the entire pyramid imagery and instead looks like a dinner plate with five sections. Fruits, grains, vegetables, and protein each make up about a quarter of the plate, with a cup to the side representing dairy. It was rightly praised for solving the failings that the USDA saw with my pyramid. My plate is simple and easy to teach, specifically to elementary students like myself at the time. However, it also has its own myriad of problems. Critics claim that protein is unnecessary as it's often included in other food groups, and we get enough from those other sources. However, meats wouldn't actually fit into any of the other groups very well. My plate also fails to designate a plate size, or include examples or recommendations of any of the food groups. Just like prior nutrition guides, the dairy section is entirely dispensable. Water, physical activity, fats, and sweets are all absent from this model. Unlike my pyramid, there are no variations of my plate. It's marketed as a one-size-fits-all. I could probably take the easy way out and claim that my BMI of 40, obese class 3, is the result of me being effectively flashbanged by poor nutrition advice from an early age. But this probably wouldn't be a fair assessment of blame. I never really followed the advice in the first place when it came to vegetables, and I like cheese too much. But I regularly get fed up with how I look or often feel from being this heavy, so I decided I wanted to go on a diet. For about three years, I on and off attempted to moderate my diet by simply calorie counting and attempting to limit my caloric intake of about 2,000 per day. However, I had poor discipline following this rule and regularly broke it, or instead, my resolve. So back in February, I spoke with a dietitian to get some general ideas on how I could better make changes, at the very least stop gaining weight, but ideally start losing it. The dietitian told me to limit my carbohydrate intake to about 40 grams per meal and count your calories. Just try to limit to less than 3,000 per day, but that's not a hard limit. In other words, don't drastically change what you are eating, just how much. If you've ever tried to massively alter your diet, you'll know that it almost never works. Your diet is a habit that you've been reinforcing basically your whole life. Drastically changing it overnight simply doesn't work. So instead, implementing a small rule like this to change things slowly over time will start making things easier. Around that same time I spoke to that dietitian, I also began walking to work instead of driving. I probably should have been doing this a lot sooner, but to be honest, I saw it as a waste of time. Time spent in walking to and from work was time spent away from other things I liked doing. Turns out I was sort of wrong. <laughs> 
I live close enough to my job that walking takes just a few minutes longer than driving, and I'm spending less money on gas. Smaller portions, with a wider variety of meals, with a wider variety in my meals, instead of just one large item to make up an entire meal, was one of the suggestions the dietitian gave me. For example, instead of a normal pizza, I'll instead switch to a thinner crust, and then switch to eating only half of that pizza instead of the whole thing for one meal, and instead rounding out my meal with a small salad to the side. In the three months that that uh, have followed since I've made these changes, I've been watching and calculating my BMI, which at the time of this writing is 37, obese class 2 instead of 3. Results. These changes may not work for you, nutritional science is inexact by nature, due to minor differences in lifestyles or genetics, a diet that could be healthy for one could be unhealthy for another. Instead of trying to develop a one-size-fits-all model, the USDA should probably develop much more broad guidelines, with more specific variations for a variety of factors like sex, age, and activity level. But unlike with my pyramid, ignore all of the lobbying from agricultural, dairy, and meat companies. Instead, in the future, I'll be basing my diet off of the Harvard School of Public Health's Healthy Eating Pyramid. It's more similar to the original 1992 food pyramid in design and appearance, but includes exercise like in the 2005 My Pyramid. In addition, it ignores the lobbying and political leverage, and differentiates between refined and whole grains as well as saturated and unsaturated fats. In conclusion, if you want to make changes to your diet, I recommend speaking with a dietitian. Their wider experience with the inexact science of nutrition may give you a deeper insight into what minor changes you can make to start making steps towards improving your diet and feeling better. And if you are feeling better, maybe then you will have a brighter future. There's no one else in the voice chat with me today, so instead I've just got a few other things that I wanted to add outside of my script just on my own here. First, the title, Eat Like an American. That's a catchy title. It's also exactly what my doctor said upon discussing my diet before recommending I speak with a dietitian. Because clearly, I needed to make changes. And I have been working on them, slow, small, over time. So I no longer eat like an American. Well, I still do, just not as much. In addition, another thing that I completely left out of my script here was fiber intake. According to the National Library of Medicine... Uh, there's a publication. Uh, it's called Closing America's Fiber Intake Gap, and I've included the link in the description. The Institute of Medicine recommends 20 to 25 grams of fiber per day for women and about 30 to 40 grams per day of fiber uh, for men, which can vary between those two extremes depending on your age. The thing about fiber, though, is, well... The USDA's food pyramids and my plate and stuff like that has grains. And that's where most people think, oh, that's where fiber comes from. But fiber content can apparently vary wildly even within that same food group. According to the United States Drug and Food Administration, brown rice has about 3.4 grams of fiber per 100 gram serving. But wild rice has 6.2 grams per 100 gram serving. Wheat doubles it at 12.2 grams, and barley ups it even more to 17.3 grams per 100 grams. So even in the same food group, you're getting that massive difference. 
In addition, fiber, a lot of people just assume fiber just manages your digestive health, helps your gut. But it also has circulatory system and weight management benefits as well, which is why you really need to up that. So in order to do that, I got something here that I thought was high in fiber, a bunch of cashew nuts. I guess not. They are a good source of uh, unsaturated fats, though. Uh, 10 grams per serving, which is like 20 pieces of that. I gotta find a good source of fiber, though. That's probably, that'll probably be helpful. Anyway, no one else in the voice chat with me, and I had nothing else really to add for this episode, so check the description for more information, including all of the resources I used to build this episode. There's Wikipedia pages for each of those different food pyramids, uh, as well as the uh, other food pyramid I talked about, the um, the Harvard School of Public Health's Healthy Eating Pyramid, uh, which is also linked to the description. I've also got a link to that study from the National Library of Medicine about closing America's fiber intake gap. Um, you can also see in the description all of the places where you can find my podcast if you don't like the current platform that you're listening to because there might be too many ads, despite the fact that I don't want to run ads on these episodes. You can find it in other places as well, and feel free to use Adblocker. I hear th those are really good. You can also join our Discord server, the link is also in the description, to discuss these and other topics, which you can also join into these episodes live if you like. If you would like to support the show, please follow and subscribe, or leave a review and share with your friends. And thank you for listening to this episode of Bright Future. These episodes are released every single Tuesday at 6pm Central, so I'll see you right back here next week.